Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the No Laying Up podcast. We have, for the first time, a non-podcast across the Atlantic Ocean. We are just crossing the English Channel and some other body of water that I'm not familiar enough with, but... An emergency podcast was needed for a preview of the Irish Open this week, so we had to call in our expert from a Good Talk Spoiled podcast and from Dublin, Ireland, Mr. Barry O'Hanrahan. Barry, I hear you guys are like little kids running around a party over there in Ireland getting ready for this tournament this week. Are you ready for it? Uh, absolutely, yeah. I can't wait for it. Uh, I mean, I know the phrase fifth major gets overused an awful lot, but this really is it for us. It's our home open. You know, it's been pushed by Rory and his foundation, and it's on an absolutely incredible golf course, a Lynx golf course. I couldn't be any happier. I love seeing pros on Lynx golf courses, so uh, bring it on. It's, it hasn't been at Royal County Down in since, like, before World War II. Am I right in saying that? Uh, 1939, yeah, so the course form is going to be hard to find. Well, what, what I guess, what is, for those that don't know about Royal County Down, can you tell us a little bit about what the golf course is like? I know it's an extremely highly rated golf course, but even myself, I'm not that familiar with it. And secondly, why why is it taking so long for the event to come back to Royal County Down? I'll take a pass on option on question number two. I mean, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know the politics of it all. But uh, I mean, originally it was designed in 1889 by old Tom Morris, and you know, a couple of other great course designers added their touches to it over the years, and Harry Varden and Harry Colt. So it do, it doesn't get much better in um, in terms of you know big names putting you know a classic golf course out there. It's it's not going to be huge. It's not going to be very long. You know, it's only seven, you know, just under seven thousand two hundred yards. And being a firm, fast links golf course is going to play even shorter than that. So the you know, the the wind is going to be up this week. The guys are going to be they're going to have a tough time scoring around here. This this course can destroy you, or or you know, it can give you up a good few birdies. It goes to show that how well that Rory McIlroy is playing this season. When I look at the odds sheet. And I see that he's three to one to win, and I'm like, wow, that's that's kind of good odds for Rory to win. I think he was around three to one to win the Wells Fargo, and he did win it. And usually, when he plays in European tour events, he's a little bit closer to one to one to win. That goes to show you how strong the field is this week. That Rory's only three to one to win this week. Yeah, it's um, there's some, the quality of players that he's attracted to this event this year. It's it's beyond anything we could have hoped for uh, in an Irish Open. It's it's just brilliant. You know, and for, I mean, bringing over Ricky Fowler, that's just a huge name, and with his winning players there recently as well, it's just even more star power coming over. And it's just, I, I think this could be the year that could really kick the Irish Open back into kind of an elite European Tour event. Yeah, the, only, the biggest name missing is, of course, Patrick Reed, who was who was slated to play and had to mysteriously kind of uh, withdraw, and then he's, he's playing back on the U.S. tour. But just a quick list of some of the names, the top, I'm looking at the odd sheets and the top names here. We got Rory, Ricky Fowler, Sergio Garcia, Shane Lowry, Martin Keimer, 
Francesco Molinari, Lee Westwood, Byung Yon An. I'm not quite as familiar. I know he just won last week, but I still don't know how to pronounce his name. Do you, do you know, do you know he goes by Ben, so that's much easier. Well, okay, that's a little easier. Yeah. We can, I can say that one, that's for sure. Chris Wood, Danny Willett, Mark Warren, Tommy Fleetwood, Graham McDowell, Luke Donald, Miguel Alangel Menef. I mean, that's 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 a stacked field, especially for a European Tour event. Where it, it it's kind of funny to me that this follows you know what they call the flagship event of the European Tour, but it's hard not to be a lot more excited about the Irish Open than anyone was about the BMW Championship. Yeah, I think the BMW lost a bit of its sheen last week when Rory missed the cut. You know, he's the, the star name that was there. And I'm sure he had more than one eye on this week with all his commitments and, you know, trying to just making this the event that he really, you know, this is this is where Rory kind of steps up to the the Tiger Woods level of um, golf stardom, you know, hosting your own event. Yeah, yeah and it's... Uh... I, I, let's, flashing back a little bit to the BMW PGA, mm-hmm. can you help me? You you follow the European Tour much closer than I do. Can you help me try to understand better why the European Tour pushes it so hard as being the flagship event? Because to be honest, when I watch Wentworth, I am I'm uninspired. I'm I, that golf course does not seem to bring out the most uh, drama, I guess, or it, it it doesn't seem to be a real interesting haven't really any interesting elements to it and I know they've had good you know they've had good tournaments in the past this year was kind of underwhelming for the reason you mentioned mostly Rory missing the cut and whatnot but so the players have had you know some certain things to say about that golf course but I guess from a from someone that's much more familiar with the European tour what is it about that championship that you know fans of the European tour go to the mattress for this thing they defend this tournament greatly what am I missing here to be the history of the event, I think that they're really defending. I'm not sure whether. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on Wentworth. I like it as a golf course. I think it's it's nice to see on TV. As to whether it gives you that drama, I think it just depends on the year. I, I love the the finishing. You know, the, the 18th should be a, a drama riddled finishing hole with the water and you know the chance to go for them too as a par five. But it just. Um, it doesn't seem to always offer that up. It's it's kind of a course that some people can go out on a week like Anne did last week, and he just annihilated the course. You know, he played you know championship record twenty one under par. He only made four bogeys on the week when you should be um, by rights making an awful lot more bogeys on that golf course because it, it can hit you hard. Uh, I think a lot of the guys, Martin Keimer in particular, was saying last week that it should take place in about six you know, six weeks' time because the greens will be an awful lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, the, they showed some slow-mos of the balls last week. The thing was jumping all over the surface of the greens, and that's, that's not what these guys are used to. I mean, they all have to deal with it because they all have to play in the same greens, but uh, the, even the members of Wentworth say that you come back here in six weeks and it's a totally different golf course, and that maybe that's something they should look towards. Uh, it's it's a, It falls at a strange time, I think, it, you know, it needs to be a bit more premium in its uh, position on the calendar, in my opinion. I mean, do you think it's intentional that they that they schedule the Irish Open and the BMW PGA in back to back weeks and hope to get guys that will play both events? Is that I imagine if you if you push it back any further in towards the midsummer, you know, the gaps between the U.S. Open, British Open, and the PGA are so short. I guess it would make sense if you ran it close to the British Open, but. I don't know what else are they are they trying to go against like a weaker I guess PGA Tour event. 
it's a possibility I, and yet you still have people like uh, Ian Poulter and Paul Casey over there playing Colonial last week yeah. Poulter's no surprise because he just can't seem to play Wentworth at all he's got more missed cuts there than he cares to um, think about it's it's a strange one. I wouldn't mind seeing it move around a bit, you know, bring different golf courses in. Uh, but I think, uh, look, maybe it's a thing of money talks. You know, they get a, yeah. they get a bit of money from Wentworth to, uh, the European Tour get money from Wentworth to come there and gets its flagship status then. I loved, uh, I loved Ian Poulter's analogy he used for what, why he didn't play is that would, uh, would, would Usain Bolt run a marathon? It's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, you, that's definitely the analogy, Ian. You're the best. You're the best in the sport. At, at, at definitely are equivalent to Usain Bolt. I'm, I'm totally on board with that. Do you, do you know what? In, in fairness to him, his decision was almost vindicated last week. You know, he gave himself. A I agree. Chance. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. No, no, no. He's had, he's had a good season on the PGA Tour this year. I've uh, I've had to sweat it out a little bit. I haven't had too much fear that he was actually going to pull out a victory. But uh, I have had to. I've been a little bit nervous, you know, to the point where I'm not. I'm not comfortable watching it. But yeah, I think he hit eight greens or something on Sunday, which didn't didn't surprise me that much. So I was surprised he was able to scrape around even par. But he, his he looked very shaky coming down the stretch on Sunday. The most surprising thing to me about his performance on Sunday was that how he didn't uh, how he beat eighty. Man, he was all <laughs> over the place. I've never seen so many elbows flying in his golf swing, but he seemed to kind of get it together a little bit more in the back nine, and he had a chance going down the stretch. He's playing well this year, and he could easily go out and just dominate a tournament and win it by, you know, a half a dozen shots. He's that kind of guy. Yeah, that's what's funny to me is, I mean, pe- pe- I mean, yeah, the Europe Europeans obviously won the Ryder Cup in the fall, but Poulter did not play well in that Ryder Cup at all. And here he is, he's turned around, and now he's playing really well in all these stroke play events, and he you know, didn't make it out of the match play event. It's like, have we seen the tide turn for Ian Poulter as far as being a match play expert? Oh God, who knows? I mean, the, switch, the, switch, the switch to tightest gear, you know, the gear he used when he was a younger golfer seems to have really paid dividends for him. Um, if it was any other guy other than Poulter, you'd say a win was just around the corner, but you just don't know what's going to come with him week to week. Yeah, I mean, I was surprised. I think he's still listed around forty to one this week to win at the the Byron Nelson. I was like, I'm like, I, I'm not so sure about that. I mean, he seems to be the way he's playing right now. He's much closer to being like a twenty five to one, twenty to one guy every week at this point. Maybe they just the, the the betters have no have no faith in him to actually be able to close one out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of like Kevin Na last week. He broke my heart. I had him from before the event. And oh. Sunday was a little bit frustrating. <laughs> well, I tell you the truth. I feel a little bit vindicated because uh, Tron, our other guy from No Laying Up, I texted him when I was writing the preview and said, hey, any guys you like this week? And he gave me a list of guys, and the guy he liked the most was Na. And he was only 28-1 to 1 to win, so I didn't include him in the picks. I was like, eh, that's kind of crazy respect for Nah. So I was sweating that out a little bit. If I didn't include him in the picks and he won, I was never going to hear the end of that. <laughs> so it's your, it's your fault I don't have a few hundred euro extra to play around yes. this week. Yes, that okay. is, that's, totally, that's totally my fault. But uh, no, we, again, crazy, incredible streak on the PGA Tour this year. We get another young, well, I guess Chris Kirk's 30. He's not the youngest guy out there, but... It seems to be that the, be- the best or one of the best possible names is coming out on top every single weekend. Com- pretty much the complete opposite of what we saw, I guess, through the first few months of last year. 
What are your thoughts on what we've seen so far on the PGA Tour this year? The big guys just seem to be stepping up and grabbing it and just saying, this is my week, this is my week. It's amazing. And then, you know, one guy swings a punch one week and then, you know, it all all seemed to really kick off with Rory's win in the match play and then Ricky and the players and then Rory said, actually, no, you're not the new young hotshot. And he comes back and wins the week after. It's, It's just... It's like a slugfest between the big names. It's brilliant to watch. It really is. I mean, coming from an Irishman, I, I'd imagine that the whole rivalry narrative, everything that has gone, you know, every time somebody else wins, we kind of have start a new discussion on who uh, Rory's biggest rivalry is. How much of a mockery does the press and do you guys make about these kind these silly narratives over in Ireland? It's a, it's a funny one, yeah. I mean, it's, the the press in the states seem intent on just creating rivalries when they're my these guys just seem quite happy to pat each other on the shoulder. They don't seem to be aggressive against each other. The, the, I think it's I don't know whether it's to sell copy or just to create something to talk about on the shows. They, they love creating rivalries and they're saying, oh, this is the new guy who's going to challenge Rory and you know knock him down. We, we kind of I don't know we kind of tend to tune it out after a while it's just it's the same thing but a different guy each week so uh, it's um, we, we just know we've got Rory there just kicking ass and he's, he's he's setting the standard for all of them to, to live up to and to be fair to a few of them recently they really have done so and it's making golf a lot more exciting uh, for it yeah, I mean, I think the only defense I'll give of that is that um, people want to say, look, look at Spieth's resume versus Rory's. And and that is really kind of unfair just because Rory, I mean, Rory's 26, Spieth's 21. Mm-hmm. Rory's got like, I think, 18 worldwide wins or uh, and then Spieth has got five, I think. It's like, you know, one major to four majors, obviously. But it's like, I mean, you could see where they're coming from. It's just, it's not there yet. It's not... It, maybe it will get there, and then you know they're kind of forcing the narrative at this point, and kind of hoping that it happens. But just let it happen. We're not we're not there yet to the point where we can you know have this discussion. Spieth is on the trajectory to get there, and I think we, I mean, we if we get those two dueling down the stretch of a major this year, the like Twitter's going to explode. The golf universe is going to explode. Yeah. I think I think we're in kind of a, a new stage of golf where we're not just going to have this one-on-one rivalry like every, right. you know Phil and Tiger back in the day. I think we're just going to have multiple names up there in kind of a, a royal rumble of golf. You know, you've got Speed and Fowler and you know Patrick Reed's there as well. He's a multiple winner. The young guys just. They, they don't seem afraid to come out there and win on tour when they're really young. You know, like Justin Thomas, who was on your show there a couple of weeks ago, he surely just got a couple of wins around the corner. It's almost like he's too excited to win, but he'll, he'll get it done, you know. He will. So, so much talent and so much depth and talent out there. It's, it's just a great time for golf. Yeah, and it's crazy. And, you know, Chris Kirk and guys like Russell Henley and other guys like that are, are guys who just they kind of, you know, skirt the conversation. They're not always on the tip of our tongue as far as, like, the good, strong, young players or young American players. And it's kind of amazing just what this season alone has, has created. I mean, I feel like people have kind of already forgotten that Brooks Kepka, you know, in his first full season on the PGA Tour, that won an event back in February. I mean, he's been kind of quiet since then and kind of hurt, but it's like it's easy to forget how amazing of a season we've had. I mean, we've got four Rory and Spieth wins in like the last two plus months, like leading, leading, like, 
I, it, it's impossible to keep up with it. I, I, I still can't believe it happened. Like I, I don't have enough jokes and like you know tweets and things ready to say for all these things that keep happening. I can't real can't picture it getting better, and it keeps getting better. <laughs> To you, you lasted 14 minutes longer than I thought you would before mentioning Brooks Kepler. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always going to find a way to mention my guys. That's what people, people, uh, I finally got some comments, I think, the within the last couple weeks, like, who don't you love? And it's like, you, you're, you're all over a new guy every week, which is kind of fair, but it just so happens that the guys that I love are winning every single week out here. It's insane. <laughs> Uh, it's it's a it's a great season. It's just I'm just looking through the uh, the tournaments of, and the winners of this year so far. It's just it's crazy. You couldn't really pick the script much better. Uh, even, and even the old guy Jim Jim Furyk getting stuck in there with a win. Finally, it was it was great to see that. Actually, I really enjoyed uh, get Jim getting his win. You know, you just wanted to see the stress lines were getting so so bad on Jim's face. He, he felt it was it was good to, good for him to get that win. Yeah, and the, really the only outlier we've had the entire season has been James Hahn, you know? I mean, he I mean he, he earned that victory at Riviera, obviously, but like if Dustin Johnson wins that tournament, then we're talking about Dustin Johnson having two wins as well. I mean, maybe maybe you might be able to say Padraig Harrington was a little bit of an outlier. Nobody saw that coming, but, man, it's just week after week, guys, like somebody like J.B. Holmes was beating down the door forever and finally got, you know, came out victorious at the Shell Houston Open. It's just like... We still have three majors to go this year, and I mean, I don't, I don't know what you know about Chambers Bay yet, but I'm officially, I'm, I'm posting a mailbag here at some point this week. I'm officially predicting a Rory runaway. I think this is the kind of course that he could just dominate with length, based on what I've read, and I think it's going to be a blowout at the U.S. Open. I'm gonna hold like like any golf course that's gonna play in a in a links like fashion. I'm gonna hold back my pick until the week of the event, until I get a, a look at the weather. Yeah. Yeah, that important. What the, I, I want to see what the wind is going to do. Um, it'll be interesting. I mean, the, the draw could be very important in that, almost like a, an open championship. You know, the, the, you get a, an early late draw or a late early draw could be very favorable. Yeah, and I was curious as to, uh, I want to get your thoughts on this because I, I think it was a question I got in my mailbag was, uh, you know, a lot of the courses, a lot of the majors in the U.S. Are, are, uh, in the coming years are going to be held at Lynx-style courses, and I was asked if Europeans would have an advantage based on this. And for, for me personally, I don't see it because I think people that really don't watch the European Tour think that Europeans play Lynx courses week in and week out. But it's there's not a, really a lot of Lynx courses aside from the British Open, Scottish Open, and this week the Irish Open. But am I right in saying that? It's not like the European Tour players are seeing Lynx courses every week. No, that's true. Uh, it's, I'm a big fan of Lynx golf, and it amazes me how Lynx golf has played so much on an amateur basis here in the in Britain and Ireland and Great Britain as well. But once you hit the pros, it's so rare that the Lynx Lynx courses actually make an appearance. I mean, people will go and the pros will go and play them for fun. But when it comes to a tournament, they just don't want. They don't like the unpredictability of it. You know, having to bounce your ball in from you know forty yards short of the green, and you get one bad bounce in your shot. So all of a sudden, you're looking at making a bogey or a double bogey instead of a good birdie chance. Uh, I, I like that little bit of unpredictability because that's just part of the game. Yeah, but I mean, to me, it's every single season you're going to hear people complaining about the U.S. Open setup. You're going to hear players just complaining about it, bitching, bitching, bitching. 
every single year. It's, it's just a known fact. And you never hear that when you go over the, a few weeks later for the British Open. And they do have that level of unpredictability. But mm-hmm. you don't hear people you know, complaining about it being too firm or the green's too hard or too windy or a ridiculous setup. Like I feel like the, the, the players would go for that kind of setup more often and would be more willing to play that setup than if they were given the opportunity to. Do you know what? And I, I, my my philosophy is that you're you're showing up for an event. You're playing the exact same golf course as everybody else, and you yeah. just gotta hope that you get your fair share of good bounces that week, and you don't get unfi- you know unjustly punished on a, you know a few off shots. You know you, you just gotta accept. You know you're all playing the same course. Just get out there and do it and get on with it, and uh, tr- try not to let the bad bounces kind of throw you off your game. The only other, the only other link style course would be um, the Alstom Open to France and the Golf National in Paris. But other than that, yeah, it's um, it's it's mostly just it, it, there, there are a lot of these American style courses, you know, and it's just hit that ball high and get it in there. Yeah, I mean, I th- that's why I think that uh, it's going to be interesting to see who lets like these. It, basically, the, the U.S. Open is going. It sounds like it's going to kind of play like a British Open normally does, and we're going to see who all of a sudden is not okay with a setup like that. I mean, Poulter was already complaining about it and hasn't even made his way out there yet, and there's several players already complaining about. You know, Mike Davis's comment that, you know, players will need to go out there early and, you know, to get some practice in if they have any interest in winning this. And, you know, all of a sudden guys are having trouble flying across the country. But, you know, if they are flying overseas for a nice big fat appearance fee, they don't seem to have any problems getting on a jet and going out there and practicing. But, I mean, what do you think that is there a course hard enough or strange enough or tricky enough that you really do? That, that puts kind of some credit to what Mike Davis is saying. You really have to get out there and see the course and practice it, you know, to succeed in a U.S. Open? I, I think there is a certain amount of merit to what, to what he's saying. It is a major. If I, if I was a tour pro, I'd be out there a couple of days extra early you know, to get a few more, a bit more practice in on the holes and get more familiarized with the course. It's, it's just such an unknown quantity to a lot of the field that's going there, bar the... Uh, a few of the younger guys who played it was a US amateur that was there a few years back yep I think uh, 2010 I think something like that yeah so um, look if I was I'd be putting in the extra prep work if I was a pro I, I did think like the, some of the retorts to Mike Davis's to, uh, comments were funny like Rory just said you know, he came back and said what handicap is Mike Davis yeah <laughs> that's such a ridiculous statement that's <laughs> <laughs> a that that like it, that's the the people, the, when pros or any athlete, you know, says something to a journalist or something, was like, "Oh, sorry, what position do you play?" Like, that doesn't mean you can't have an opinion on something. Like, Mike Davis is in charge of setting this thing up. He does know a thing or two about the setup. Like, yeah. I, 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 I'm going to write this in my mailbag as well. As I've come to kind of trust Mike Davis, to be honest, I think that what he's done with the U.S. Open in recent years has been a lot more interesting than you know a lot of things we saw in the mid 2000s with. Some course setups that were just so deathly boring, and I mean, I, I, I'm I'm impressed by his ability to do all these really really different things that have kind of never been done before in the U.S. Open, and have them work out, and you know, not have these. Yeah, I mean, congressional the score went super low because of you know the rain and whatnot, but I mean, it, the there hasn't been a really really unfair setup for the for the U.S. Open in what ten years or so. I mean, is that accurate? Uh, I will 
Yeah, I'll tip the, yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> okay. I, I, I was a huge fan of Pinehurst last year. Yeah. I loved the, the, the bear, then the way, all the, the things that Core and Crenshaw did with that, just to bring it back to its original, and they're looking at old photos. I loved that. I, I thought that was, it was really nice the way they did it. You know, the, the brush land back in, and they only watered the middle of the fairways. Um, I and it's kind of set a trend for a lot of golf courses in places that don't have an awful lot of water, you know. What was it, the brain is beautiful thing they were trying to get? Going. Yeah, I, you I, you're I not going to go ahead. Sorry. No, no, it's going to. No, I just, I think it's a great thing, and um, certainly, I'm really, I'm really excited about this Chambers Bay thing. I think it's, it's going to build and build and build because it's such an unknown quantity to everybody. Yeah, uh, sorry, I've distracted you a bunch here, but let's get back to the uh, the Irish no, Open good, here good. because I want to know what what I know you're big into the gambling lines. You you got these you got these odds memorized, I'm sure. Who else? Who should I be looking into this week if I wanted to play the Irish Open? Some sleepers or some of the favorites you think are going to play well? Uh, I I think you have to have a look at Shane Lowry. I mean, he's a previous winner of the Irish Open. Now that was at on another links course and. Uh, County Loud Golf Club, otherwise known as Baltray. He won that as an amateur. He played very well last week. He finished seventh in Wentworth, so he's got a bit of form coming into this. And he's just going to... He, he is as Irish a man as you will find, so he's going to revel in playing at home. He's going to love this. Uh, the, the guys will all be pumped this week. The Irish guys, I, I'd ex- I hope and expect them to go well. Um, he, he, he's got a really good chance for me. I mean, is is it insane to like Rory at three to one either? I feel like for I feel like he's really motivated this week. I think he absolutely wants to win this this event more than more than he would, you know, any normal type of PGA Tour event. I, I yeah, I mean, you'd be a fool to back against him. Uh, he's not the, he's not the kind of guy that will you know miss cut would just knock him off form or something like that. He uh, he's just as likely to bounce back and win by a few shots. Uh, he, he will he will be super focused to win this this week. That is that is for sure. And you know if, if he doesn't win it, you know um, he'll be he'll be damn close, and he'll have a few scars to prove it as well. Yeah, there are going to be headlines all over Ireland if he does fail to win this week. Is it going to be? Is that the, I'm imagine that's going to be the main story this week is Rory. Yeah, I, mean, I think he wins either way this week, whether he wins the event or not. Um, it's just a big win for him, his foundation, and what he's done for the Irish Open and for golf in Ireland by getting behind this and getting the big title sponsor on board, and and then you know having it played at Royal County Day, and it's it's just a trifecta, you know, it's 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 fantastic for the event, and hopefully it can kind of get back up to into higher echelons, you know, with more money, that you know, more golfers, you know, more high-ranking golfers will come along to the event, and that will make it more popular, kind of success breeds success. Yeah. Am I crazy? Did Was Dustin Johnson thinking about playing in this, or did he at one point say that he was going to play in this? I heard something along those lines as well, yeah. The, um, you know what? I, I always wanted this to the Irish Open to move to like the week before say the Scottish Open so you have like yeah. a kind of an almost a Lynx season I think would be great you know and that, that would kind of bring out to see if there's any Lynx fans in the, amongst the pros you could have like the Irish Open Scottish Open then the Open Championship and what, it, I, that actually might take away from the Irish Open somewhat you know three weeks back to back yeah. leading into a major but I'd love to see almost like a Lynx season of say like four to six weeks of Lynx golf events on the European Tour yeah, I'd like to see the Americans come play it. I mean, I, I'm 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 pumped honestly. The Fowler is playing in this, and it seems to be taking it 
uh, treating it almost like a major, like you were saying, with it being the fifth major for you guys. But he, he he's had this circled on his calendar for a while, and um, I think I think he would love love to beat to beat Rory this week in Ireland, and you know, and you know exactly what the conversation's going to be if he does beat him. But uh, that'd be just be a dream Sunday, the two then dueling it out again, just sort of like um, the Open Championship. When you know, unfortunately, unfortunately, it wasn't as tight as we all wanted to it to be. But it'd be great to see them, you know, knocking lumps out of each other come Sunday afternoon. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna that would draw some ratings. But um, we have a couple of Twitter questions that we got, and that kind of goes in our conversation we were talking about with Royal County Down. Is this is from at for your benefit? What other courses outside the current rotation, you know, like other than Portrush, have like a good chance to host the Open in the next 20 years or so? Like a, a course that, you know, maybe is flying under the radar or just is not a normal a normal course where you're going to see the, the Irish Open. Are there Do those exist out there and where would you like to see it go? Is this the, the Open Championship, I'm guessing, is it? Uh, I think it's about the Irish Open. Okay. Oh, that'll be good. Oh, wow. There's there's a bit of talk about Port Marnock um getting its uh, putting its name back in the mix. Now I think they need to sort out uh, allowing female members first, and then to kind of have jumped that hurdle to to get themselves back in the mix to host it. Now they Port Marnock hosted it for many many years. Um, the last of which was back in 1990 and uh, those won by Jose Maria Lathabal so that's there's 27 holes there so they can kind of pick and mix yeah, a nice court uh, good 18 holes out of that that's uh, brilliant um, the island is another phenomenal course out in North Dublin uh, wonderful links golf course uh, whether we would have the space to be able to host all the you know the crowds and the infrastructure was another question altogether. I mean, you, could, you could go down the west of Ireland, down to like you've got great links courses like Waterville and Tralee. The, the, the list, the list is just huge. It really is great. And don't be surprised if Donald Trump gets his name in the mix um, as soon as he can with his new. The he took over what was known as Doombag. That's um, it's now I think Trump International Links. Uh, I think he, I think he might try push to get the Irish Open there. Okay. Now let's pretend that that question is also about the actual Open Championship, because as I reread the question, I'm pretty sure that is what he's asking. What other courses would you like to see added to, I guess, the, the British Open Championship rotation? Now you're asking me about golf courses in the country I don't live. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're closer. To, you're closer to it than I am, though. You played. You played a lot more of these courses than I have. Uh, you are killing me here. I... <laughs> I don't know. It's it's fun. It's funny. You hear bits and pieces about different amazing links golf courses around the country, uh, around Great Britain itself. And, but we're so the the open rota is so ingrained. You just you, sometimes you fail to see out beyond them. There's just so many hidden gems. I mean, you've got you've got a couple in Wales like Royal St David's. Uh, a lot of the open qualifying venues could easily do it. Um, you've got Royal Aberdeen as well. That's another one that's uh, always spoken of Asian, very revered tones. Uh, I'm not going to waffle anymore because... <laughs> no, dude, that's good for being put on the spot. That's, that answer, that answers the question. That answers the question. <laughs> I tried, I tried. So what are we, if we were to tune into your podcast this week, what would we be getting? Well, I know you guys recorded this right before you and I got on the phone, but what... Uh, like, well, well, tell tell the uh, listeners a little bit about what you guys do on your podcast. Uh, yeah, so every week we will 
do a little bit of news. Um, we have a look back over the previous week's events on the LPGA, the European Tour and the PGA Tour. Kind of put about 15, 20 minutes into that. Uh, we try to kind of pick up the main topic every now and again, maybe a few interviews. We had yourself on, uh, God, was it was late last year. Yeah. It feels like quite a while ago at this stage now. Uh, when, when we first discovered Tour Sauce, we, <laughs> we, hunt, we hunted you down and uh, didn't stop hounding you until you came on the show. Uh, and then, and then, obviously, finally, we'll look ahead to the the events in the week coming. Um, this week, we I have to admit, we were myself and Will were all over the place because we had so many things to talk about <laughs> that we wanted to talk about in terms of the Irish Open, and we went from one angle to the next angle and back, and then a couple of loops around. So it was a bit messy, but it was all very enthusiastic. So hope it makes a good listen. Well, speaking of the tour sauce, we need an update because yeah, it's been about I think about six months since since we chatted on your podcast. But what what's your tour sauce game like? I mean, I know you guys been you guys don't have an off season. Doesn't sound like in Ireland you're playing golf year round. How many rounds you got in this year? And what's your what's the status of your tour sauce game? I've played quite a lot this year. Um, my tour sauce game, because my game's gone a bit crap the last three, four weeks, so my tour sauce game is uh, is mostly club throws. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, caddy blame. Uh, this is where you need the caddy blame. But I, I, unfortunately, my caddy quit. <laughs> 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 he, he got sick of looking at my terrible golf. Uh, <laughs> I do an awful lot of divot taps, an awful lot of those. It's just it's just second nature now at this stage. Now, whether it's after a good shot or a bad shot, just tap that divot down at the golf club. Uh, my club throw game is terrible, though. I went, I had one there last week. I was trying to throw the club to the next tee box because you don't want to walk after a badly thrown club and uh, I snap hooked the thing about 60 yards left and I had to go on the, the walk of shame to go get the club back <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah we, uh, again, we've had, we've had a, some tough conditions recently so there hasn't been an awful lot of opportunity to uh, to pull off the kind of celebratory tour sauce moves you know like the pose and you know the I think I think one that actually should make it in is the the club holster by nigga you know by Jimenez when he makes his holes. <laughs> That's old Chichi Rodriguez. He kind of stole that from Chichi Rodriguez. I'm waiting for somebody to bring this up. I hate to be the one to bring it up, but I mean. That, that that that's a that's a stolen move. Am I right? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll let you have that one. <laughs> I mean, Miguel does bring his own little style to it. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, true. And his and his dance as well. Then, but no, nobody's going to. Well, Will, one of the guys from our podcast, tried to do the dance there um, on Sunday a few times just to lighten things up when, when we were all on the bogey train. Uh, James got sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> So that's uh, good fun. Yeah, it's good fun busting out the tour sauce moves. Uh, there's so many. We need to have a little update though. I definitely think the club holster needs to get in there. Yeah, I'm way overdue for posting part five. I mean, I've come up. I've I've I've, I've ran across enough moves in the meantime that uh, that I could probably turn into another post. But I feel like I felt like part four was really stretching it. I mean, we were getting kind of ridiculous out there. But some of the ones that people throw at me now are, are good. But I don't know. I, I, if I can find the creative energy, I may have to be, you know, consult with you to see uh, to see if you can help me put together uh, about fifteen more tour sauce moves that we're still lacking. Okay, we'll work on it. I get the I get the my thinking cap on and keep watching on the I keep watching as much golf as possible. <laughs> there's, there's new young guys coming on tour and young girls coming on tour every day. They're going to bring something from their own home game or locality, and you know, one might just make it big onto the list. 
That's true. That's true. Okay, I got another question in my mailbag that I'm I'm not really qualified to answer, so I'm gonna enlist your help to answer is who uh, who who's a young guy on the European tour that people haven't heard enough of yet? Um, let's say like twenty five or twenty seven or under. Somebody that you know is making some noise but not quite getting the headlines yet, or somebody like a Justin Thomas on the PGA Tour that you know hasn't broken through with a win yet, but people should start really paying attention to. Oh, good question. Um, oh, yeah, I guess a few of the viewers will have seen Tommy Fleetwood there recently at the um, the match play. So yeah, he's he's been playing ridiculously well this season. Danny Willis as well. So they. they They'd be a little bit more high profile. Now let's go a little bit under the radar. Have a look here through the odds. Who's playing this week is a good place to start. Yeah. Um, if you honestly, if there's so many good young French players, it's crazy. There's just it just seems to be a new one each week. I, I, they must have a factory somewhere in France <laughs> just pumping these guys out. It's the Victor uh, Dubuisson effect. That's what it is. It really is. Yeah. Uh, who have we got? Romain Watel is a handy player. I mean, Alex, Alex, Alexander Levy, he won the US Open sectional qualifying in Walton Heath this week. He is a very good player. And when he gets hot, he could hold the form for a few weeks. I wonder if he's playing this week in the Irish Open. He is. He's 70 to 1. He could definitely be worth a, a, a look or a little, a little wager. Uh, I might I might throw a few euro on him just for fun because you know he, he's got some form coming in and he'll be he'll be happy to go out to Chambers Bay. Um, he's a very good ball striker, so he should do well in the wind this week. But I, I don't think we mentioned there is going to be a bit of wind this week in Royal County Day. That's just to be that's to be uh, expected, though, right? <laughs> yeah, it's no, nothing crazy though. Yeah, nothing uh, nothing over thirty kilometers an hour, so or about you know eighteen miles an hour. So it's definitely it's something it's manageable for a Lynx golf course. Yeah, I would expect that. So. Let me see who else. Uh, if I come up with any in the back of my mind as we're talking, I will pop them back into the conversation. Sounds good. I'm looking at this odds sheet though, and I'm seeing some really interesting names way down on the list, like. Miko Elanen won this event last year, and he's 150 to one. Does that sound right to you? Stop me, pull me off the ledge here. No, it's he seems to fall off the radar in okay. in odds very quickly. I mean, the, the bookies seem to have forgotten like that he won it last year. He beat Henrik Stenson in the match play event here in Europe last year as well. He's a really really good golfer. So you know, 150 to one is a nice bet, but defending an event is difficult. I mean, Darren Clark is one sixty to one, and Miko Elan is one hundred and fifty. Like that doesn't seem right to me. Also, I know he's had a rough go of it lately, but Nicholas Colsart's all the way down the list at one hundred and fifty to one. Seems like the link style would kind of fit his game. Is this someone we should look into this week? Yeah, I mean, he could probably just throw away every club for you know above the seven iron and just play the course with seven iron to a wedge <laughs> and a putter, and he'd be fine. He'd have enough length to cope with it. Um, it's a shame he's kind of gone off the boil. He's a really exciting golfer. Uh, just looking a little bit below him, Maximilian Kiefer is a one that people might not um, might not know about. He's he's a handy golfer from Germany. There you go. Uh, kind of a big fan of Keimer. He's he's got some game. All right, help me help me understand this. Anurban Lahiri is ranked forty yeah. third in the world, and he is two fifty to one to win the European to win the Irish Open this week. Help me understand that. Uh, but, <laughs> what book are you getting at 250? I can only see him at 150 here. <laughs> I'm on Sportsbook is where I where I look at. 
Oh, excellent. Yeah, it's, it's just, that's a head-scratcher, all right, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, one of my favorite topics every week is Andrew Bon Lahiri's official world golf ranking. So I had to get that, had to, had to slide that one in there for the, for the listeners that listen to every single one of those. I'm sure they got a laugh out of that. But. Yeah. All right. He, uh, he gave you a scare there in a PGA Tour event recently, didn't he? He was going, he was going okay. I think I was texting you about it. I think he made the cut. If that's what's called giving me a scare, then yeah, yeah I was, yeah. I was terrified. <laughs> no, I think at the, at the match play, he did, he, uh, he did, he did well at the match play. I was, I was impressed to see him show out on, on that stage, but. Yeah, I, I guess the bookies probably think his game wouldn't convert well to links golf. Yes, uh, that's played very grainy greens in in India for most of his career before, obviously before turning professional. I guess they think his game might not convert to links golf that well. Wait, you're telling me that winning the that winning winning the Hero Indian Open doesn't translate to winning the Irish Open? Is that what you're trying to tell me? With ninety eight percent certainty. <laughs> 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 All right, I'm going to get you out of here on one final question, and it's a tough one. It's a tough one because you're going to have to think of this off the top of your head on who would be on this team. But if the U.S. and Europeans are lining up tomorrow for a three-day Ryder Cup, who wins? Oh, no way. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Where are we playing? Um, well, it's, we got to go back. We're, we're, uh, let's see. We're, it's, let's pretend we're going to Hazeltine tomorrow. Like, 2016 Ryder Cup starts tomorrow. I'd probably give it to the U.S. I'm not, the young, there's more young U.S. guys playing well than there are Europeans at the moment, I think. I think and the home advantage. And you, I mean, the Europeans might even take a dive just to revive the Ryder Cup. <laughs> <laughs> you had to get that in there. All right, that's a fair <laughs> shot. That's a fair shot. <laughs> uh, I, I, look, all, all, all anybody ever wants um, in a Ryder Cup is just a close, tight match. I right. Think. I, I, I don't think it's it's not really. It's great to win it, yeah, but it's not really the end of the world if you lose it. Uh, I think it's just more about the excitement of the drama going, you know, on the final day. That's what we all really want. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I don't think any. I mean, when we won in two thousand eight, sixteen and a half, eleven and a half. I mean, it was cool because we hadn't won in forever, but it was kind of probably. I mean, same score this year. Like, there's no, if there's no drama come Sunday at the Ryder Cup, then that kind of defeats the purpose. You're right. At the end of the day, it's like if you lose it, yeah, you lose it. I mean, it's a healthy rivalry. Or I, again, it's to call it a rivalry may not even be fair at this point. Kind of like the Roy rivalry, but it's it's more about um, you know the, just the different style, the different nature of the event. You know that we're. I don't feel like the Europeans and Americans hate each other. I don't hate the European fans. I don't feel that much of a rivalry or anger towards them for beating us every year. It's like just the fact that we get to do something completely different is so exciting. And I, I've talked about this with people before. I, I'm a proponent of I think it should be every year. I think it's silly that it's every other year. And like if, if the event originally was every year, it would never switch to every other year, right? So, I mean, tradition. It's like for tradition purposes, we keep it. Every other year, but man, how much fun would this be to look forward to this every single fall? I would love that. Yeah, it would be great. It might it might take away from it a little bit because we switch from every other year to every year. But I think ultimately we'd all get used to it and just we'd love it. And, and again, it's uh, it's more match play. I love yeah. watching match play. It's just it's such a great part of the game, and we just don't get enough of it uh, on our TV screens. You know, we only see it once or twice a year, and then every other year in the Ryder Cup. I'd love to see you know a week long match play event or a ten day long match play event. It's kind of like the way they do in the US Amateur. You know, just Guys just 
going out there to really you know, multiple matches day after day after day. I love that. Yeah. See, I'm going to disagree with the fact that it may mean less year after year because I feel like the wounds and like the, the recent history would be so much more fresh if it was just every every year. You know what I mean? It's like, imagine if like Alabama or this, I don't know how much college football you follow, but if Alabama and Auburn played like every other year, right? Like for some reason, we're just going to play it every other year instead of every year. Like, or imagine the biggest European football clubs only play every other year. Like it just doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. I know that's the way it's always been done, but I hate when people push back on me and say, well, that's, that's tradition. It would ruin everything if they did it every year. It's like, uh, it would be awesome. I know it would ruin the president's cup. I'm sure you're a big president's cup fan over there in Europe, but <laughs> I need somebody to support me on this idea. No, I, I, I like it. I think that's a good point about the wounds, actually. You just you forget how angry you were, how bitter you were to lose the event for two years ago. It's hard to get pumped up and using that as motivation. That's a good point. Yeah, and you forget who even was on the team. I mean, like, you look back at the 2012 Ryder Cup, like, Peter Hansen was on that team, Nicholas Colsar. It's like... It, it's it, it's crazy how much can change over the course of two years, you know. I mean, I mean, we here we're at this great run of American golf right now. So I, I'd obviously like there to be a Ryder Cup tomorrow, but I mean, who knows? And you know, next fall, if if you know, Kepka's injured and and you know, Dustin Johnson is back off the tour. Like I don't know, I'm yeah, ready. Well, if Kepka's injured, then Europe win automatically. Is that right? What's that? If Kepka is injured, the Europeans win all the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. They're yeah. gonna. They wouldn't even host the Ryder Cup. I'm pretty sure they would be. They, they <laughs> would. They would delay it a year. I think so. <laughs> all right, man. I'm gonna let you get out of here and enjoy the Irish Open this week. Uh, this was Barry O'Hanrahan from the A Good Talk Spoiled podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at at Podcast GTS. They have a very entertaining podcast and. Very entertaining accents, as I'm, as a, if I may add so myself. I've been working on my Irish accent, but I'm not ready to bring it into the podcast just yet. Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to having you over here sometime this summer for a little golfing trip. Yeah, we need to schedule a weekend or something, man. I, uh, my weekends are getting booked up, and I know we. Uh, I'm, I'm going to Scotland in early August, you know, to play to play St Andrews, Carnoustie, Kings Barnes, and all that. And I've played exactly one time this year, so I do need to get my game in better shape. So. I may have to hit you up on a, on a weekend and uh, make my way over to Dublin. So Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the week. And, uh, yeah, everybody will tune into the Irish Open. And be sure to give Barry and his guys a follow at Podcast GTS. Thanks, Chris. See you, Barry. Take care, man. Bye-bye. Thanks. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah! Honey, that's... Better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than.